All right. You, you recording? You got a red line? Three, two, one, mark. Oh, you forgot the mark. You ready? Okay. Three, two, one, mark. That's pretty good. I can make that work. What's new, Dan Daniels? Not much, man. Just trying to uh, understand my place on the landscape as a sportsman. <laughs> Dan Daniels is back. Was this number four for you? I think like, so. This is the uh, the the Grand Slam or the four bagger or, or I don't even know what to call it, but we've um, we've gone all the way. All the way. Holy crap. Don't like the way that feels. <laughs> Dan Daniels is back, and we are discussing restricted hunting areas. This Ouch. This has kind of been, yeah, this has kind of been uh, top of conversation on social media for the past couple of weeks. I think we. I think the 16th is when FWC sent out the notice about restricted hunting areas. Yeah, I think a week and a half or so. I remember Friday, be, last Friday being like a hot day, yep. like phone blowing up, a lot of stuff going on. And I, I had had a call as a stakeholder with FWC earlier that week where they kind of presented this to me and, and uh, I asked some questions and um, Dan and I actually had a conversation before it came out. Like, hey, I think this is coming out. Let's let's gear up for this and be ready for it. So this is um, this is something that off off to the side we've been talking about for two years oh yeah i mean i i was talking to somebody on a landscape that i used to uh work with um it when i was with united waterfowlers and uh, uh specifically that uh, gentleman has been probably talk we've been talking about this for a decade in some way shape or form but it tends to flare up you know in a cycle almost so that's yeah. kind of back where we are now so let, let's just set the table uh right off the bat uh, a restricted hunting area, and I'm going to ramble a little bit. Dan, interrupt me whenever you want to. But a restricted hunting area was born out of a rule that was created by FWC called the Bird Sanctuary Rule. I and think so. so. The way this worked was uh, a municipality could request a bird sanctuary and FWC could grant it to them or not. And I think it was Chairman Yablonski was part of the commission when they created critical wildlife areas, CWAs which were the kind of the intended use of a bird sanctuary. So CWAs replaced bird sanctuaries on the landscape, kind of rendering that designation useless. Well, municipalities began to, I'll use the term sue. It, this all goes through administrative hearing because it's, it's uh, administrative law. So this isn't going, this isn't like you took them to civil court or you go down to the local courthouse. Um, municipalities began to sue when they did not get a bird sanctuary and FWC would negotiate with them. And I'll, I'll use Castleberry for, as an example because I know that one pretty intimately, even though it doesn't fit the entire mold because the city of Castleberry owns the lakes. But the way that worked is uh, Castleberry asked for a uh, bird sanctuary. FWC said, no, it doesn't qualify for a bird sanctuary. So Castleberry sued in administrative hearing. And before it went to administrative hearing, FWC's law team said, wait a second, we're going to lose this. We need to settle with them. And the way we're going to settle is giving them a restricted hunting area. And before that, we had Belle Isle. Uh, Hunter's Lake has a restricted hunting area. There might be one more out there, but there's not a lot of these on the landscape. It's kind of a fairly new tool that municipalities are using to ensure – I'm not really sure what they're using it for, but it feels weaponized against hunters. Go ahead, Dan. Yeah, so that that's really the component here that's concerning, right? So do we think as sportsmen, as uh, as a user group and stakeholders, that these municipalities were really worried about the birds? Or do we think that they were using this as an instrument to uh, restrict hunting from their backyard basically I mean, i'll just let's call it what it is and i'm leaning to think based on the scenarios that i've seen that that's more of what's going on use the rha or the bird sanctuary to eliminate a stakeholder group predominantly hunters from using a lake for hunting agreed uh, that's that's how i feel about it 
I also feel, and I've had a lot of conversations, so, so forgive me if I don't give credit to someone. I don't know who wanted credit and d- didn't, so I'm just not going to. These are not all my ideas, though, that I'm about to espouse. <laughs> I just want to caveat that up front, but I don't know what, what ideas were in kind of in confidence or not. So th- I, a lot of the, the push around restricted hunting areas you see tied to development. So is it about hunting or is it about development and wanting to increase development and have that ability? That's a, that's a question that's given me some pause lately. Is, is this a fear of gunfire or is this a appetite for development? Yeah. And, and, and I will say I am very interested in playing this RHA out into its entirety because there is a chance or a hope from some people who I respect uh, on the landscape that this could be a, you know, somewhat of a protective tool for certain, you know, hunting situations. So I want to play this out, but uh, you know, as you'd mentioned about the development thing, I'm not naive to think that development isn't going to be an issue on Florida. Let's be real. It's going to happen. And I would love to get out in front of, uh, you know, this hunter user interface type of thing, because it exists and it exists with uh, other uh, um, endeavors as well, specifically things that are loud, like airboating, right? So there's a lot of things that, um, you know, have happened with airboaters, mostly negative, where housing development came out to the lakeshore, next thing you know, they're on curfew or they can't use a certain launch ramp or something like that. And they had predated, their activity had predated that development considerably so this isn't unique to hunting but it's something that's going on and i understand that it's going on all around the state so like i said i'm 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 interested in having this discussion because i've i've heard it pitched as this can be a way to you know help us through that i'm just not sold yet you know i want to i want to play this out and that's kind of why i'm here with you tonight yeah and it's funny you brought up the airboat ordinance actually uh alachua county lost the appeal about that so the ordinance was voted in and they lost the appeal on that uh, recently. Like, yeah, I can't uh, even keep the last up couple months. It's not it's not very long ago. Right. And, you know, I mean, what's more Florida than an airboat? I, I, I'm hard pressed to think of something that's more Florida than an orange in an airboat. You know, the ordinance was in conflict with state laws about airboat operations. Circuit Judge David Creter, James Nylon and Craig de Tomasas wrote in a ruling signed September 29th. So, and this, this, uh, article is dated October 22nd, 2020. This is an article wow. from like the last week. So wow. like, we're giving you up to the date, up to, up to the minute breaking news here, basically. Like we need a little scroller at the bottom. Yeah. And don't, don't, I'm not trying to conflate the two issues. They're different, but, the, but you know, it's a thought process. It's an ideology that's similar. And, uh, you know, we do things as duck hunters, as hunters in general, that are kind of noisy and noticeable at times. So, you know, this isn't going to go away. I understand that. But, uh, you know, again, I'm just kind of the language of, uh, uh, you know, promoting a restricted hunting area to protect hunting legacy just seems odd to me. And, and well, you know, and, and I'll, I'll jump in to say this. I don't want to conflate the two issues either. Um, and you'll probably hear me use an analogy around gun control at some point in this conversation too, but I'm going to say this, Dan, nor I, I mean, you'll probably figure out how each of us feel independently as we're talking through this, but we're not looking to tell anyone how to feel about this. Absolutely not. What we're going to do is record our conversation about it. So you guys can kind of hear us banter about some of these questions. And, um, this is going to air on Tuesday, the 27th. So I know that I think Tonight, the 27th, the FWC is having a lot of public webinars about this. They want discussion. They want feedback. I'm also going to caveat and say this. I went to a lot of FWC meetings and yelled at them, not disrespectfully, but I, 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 I chastised them about spraying lakes. And if you've listened to me for a long time, I've changed tunes on that because I started to listen to what they were saying and looking at the situation a lot deeper. So we're not saying we're right. We're not saying we're wrong. But I am saying... And I said this on last week's podcast too. I think we're not critically thinking about this well enough. Like there's no way that something like this drops and we can instantly say, oh, that's a good thing or that's a bad thing. We have to critically examine it. And the agency would welcome pushback on it. I, I, I truly believe like the people I know there are all upstanding guys and gals. They would welcome this pushback. They welcome the questions. You may not agree at the end of the day, 
we I disagree with them right now on some of the questions I've got kind of outstanding, but that's okay. Do it respectfully, do it well, and hopefully you leave this conversation with some more questions. We may answer some of them, but uh, better informed is what we're looking for. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna piggyback onto that too. I, I would love to give the agency FWC specifically a tool to um, you know use, so they're not constantly bombarded with <clears throat> you know appeals and legislative hearings and things of that nature. But that that's not our job as stakeholders to not advocate for our space in the landscape. You know that that's their job. And you know I, I just again I I, I do you think there's especially possibly the way it's currently written some advantage to some uh, uplands and some uh, areas? I've, I've heard some really interesting, compelling arguments about places like Ocala National Forest and certain uplands um, with, you know, dwellings kind of coming online in those spaces. But bigger picture here, um, I, I think a lot of coastal areas, a lot of uh, traditional lakes are are possibly like, like I said, possibly on the chopping block by an expansion of this RHA concept. So, yeah. And we're going to talk. We should also set the table with this. And I'm going to go ahead and say this now. And you guys, Dan can roll his eyes at me and you guys can all roll your eyes at me. But I talk about game theory a lot. So I look at this a little bit differently sometimes. And I don't mean that patting myself on the back. I'm saying let's think strategically about hunting on the landscape in Florida and what it looks like five years, 20 years, 50 years down the road, how does this fold into that? So th I, I think there's a strategic play there that maybe even, like I said, even in name, we, we have to, I'm not saying it, we should be against it because of that or for it because of that, but I do think we need to take a long, hard look at it on from that perspective. Yeah, and it helps to work through it through a process. I mean, I'm going to let you kind of go with some of the uh, – um, you know details and let's let's kind of work through what they're proposing and i think that'll help us get through the uh, some of the bigger concepts uh like you know you and i had mentioned in uh conversations before this just the whole public trust doctrine how we discharge wildlife uh, management things of that really concerning me with, with some of these proposals so let's start with the draft rule and this is an this is basically I won't say an amendment. I don't think that's the right language, but it's it's basically they are modifying the bird sanctuary rule. And these I'm going to hit you with the the highlights of what the rule requires. Okay, these are these are kind of the criteria to get a restricted hunting area. A restricted hunting area prohibits hunting within 300 feet of a dwelling. Shall be permitted by the commission upon receipt of a complete application that is compliant with this rule and which is received from a local government body having jurisdiction over proposed restricted hunting area. A complete application shall include, want to jump in? Yeah, well, the one that sticks out is the, the 100 yards, right? Okay. Because it's objective measurement of distance. And I think a lot of people in the hunting community say, well, that's, that seems reasonable. We've, I've walked off 100 yards. That se seems like a good thing. And I would say to that, yeah, I think common sense says you want to have a little bit of a buffer between uh, someone's private residence. However, and this is where it gets sticky, we can't work through these details and not say that if you are, let's say, 150, 200 yards from a, a, a dwelling and you, uh, well, let's use, let's use archery. You shoot a deer and you track it to within that. Even if it's still in a legal area, are you now in violation? Or what if you shoot a, a duck that sails? And it's perfectly recoverable and you walk over there with your weapon like we always do in case it's still alive and are you in violation now so again i, I it seems like common sense because a lot of people hear that and they're like oh yeah, yeah 100 yards that sounds good and leave it at that i'm just not comfortable leaving at that i want these kind of uh, uh discussions to play out and i want these questions answered because these situations will arise and i think it's fair to give some of the agency's perspective on this and this is things i've heard from conversations so don't I'll say don't hold me to it. You can hold me to the spirit of it, but I'm, I may rem misremember some details. I don't have this written down in front of me. But one of the things that precipitates this is up in the panhandle, I think, they've had people slide under people's docks on the intercoastal waterway and shoot ducks. That's a bad look for hunters. Like I, oh, I can get, I can get behind that 100%. That's a bad look for hunters. It's a bad look, yeah. And, and, and again, I've, you know, tried every single thing that I can to kill a duck. I, I remember vividly, you know, to, to try to 
add some color in here. We were cutting out large refrigerator boxes and painting them like cows out on pastures to, to get at the teal when they were there was no cover. Like, I, I've done it. I get it. Like, you're going to try every angle, but that is a bad look, and I understand, you know, uh, uh, FWC trying to nip that in the bud, but that seems it's like, like also a very select few people at one area that now will subject the entire state potentially to... Uh, uh, whatever you want to call it, extra restricted hunting area, whatever, potentially. So, again, I get it, but I don't. is that a good enough reason to go down this path? Well, and that's a concern I'll bring up in a minute is is what is the trigger for a restricted hunting area? And that's, in my mind, I could see something like that. But um, I, I just, <laughs> I, I agree with you. I, I can't imagine that's a widespread enough thing to where we've got to create some sort of law around it but let's move on a resolution oh i do want to hold on let's not move on because i want to add something there the flip side of that argument is and this is something that i feel like folks out of state may have trouble with because if you go to mississippi with 2.6 million people in the state or you go to arkansas with 1.9 million people in the state the the thought process there is well why would you hunt anywhere where there's houses let me be very clear None of us that hunt in Florida want to hunt anywhere there are houses. That is not on our desired checklist. However, I don't know if you know anything about Florida, but they're putting up houses at an astounding rate. Thousand people a day are moving here. So, and everybody wants to live on the water. At some point, if there is not some acknowledgement of the fact that hunting is a, is a, you say it better than I do, Dan, but if hunting has existed on the landscape, on these water bodies, it should be allowed to continue to exist whether you build your house in your dock or not. Absolutely. Yeah. I, that, that, and that's, you know, again, we love to, you know, take a concept that works somewhere else and apply it here. It, it's just convenient. But we are the, keep saying this now, we are the third largest state in the third most populous country on the planet. It, it's a different game here in Florida. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Uh, if you combine our population or if you combine the populations of Montana, Idaho, North Dakota, South Dakota, Washington State, Colorado and Wyoming, you have the same population as Florida. And that doesn't include our tourism of 150 million people a year. So I, I did something rough math with my uh, duck hunt stamps. I, I estimated at 15,000 purchase per year. That's, it's not 0.6 of the population. It's not less than 1%. It's 0.06 of the population. It's less Correct. than one hundredth of a percent people per, in this state purchase a duck stamp. So it, it's, we are outnumbered and uh, it's, it's just yep. unreal. A percent of a percent purchase a hunting license in Florida. Uh, I, I happen to know Montana's off the top of my head because I looked it up. 24% of the state purchases a hunting license in Montana. It's a different conversation, guys. So it's, it's a very different world we're living in. <laughs> Absolutely. So um, next thing that they have to do is a resolution must be passed by the local government body having jurisdiction over the area for which the RHA is being sought, which clearly states that the governing body is seeking a restricted hunting area and they agree to assume the responsibility for enforcement of regulations which apply to such areas, including posting the area boundary with signs per subsection six below. Do you want to jump in on this before I do? Yeah, the, the posting the signs is easy. Uh, and I, I get it. You need to put literally a, a sign up to say where you can and cannot be. The Maybe bigger 500 hang, feet, I think, is the rule. Right, which, again, I'm not going to argue objective, you know, distances and things like that with there. Seems reasonable. The bigger picture here is we are, in essence, giving municipal entities the right or the uh, jurisdiction to discharge game laws. That That's the big hang-up I'm having. Whether or not it's management plans for these areas, which again, most are set by the state, so not a big deal. But in terms of, uh, uh, you know, actually checking your bag limits, see if you're in violation with your, uh, 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 you know, type of non-toxic shot. You know, I keep going back to duck hunting because I think this is 
more of a duck hunting issue than anything, but it just seems like a bad idea, you know, and, and maybe you, you've thought of it about it in a different way, but having a municipal officer or entity come check you out when you're hunting seems like a, a bad idea when we have FWC or U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service specifically there to do that. Correct. And this, for those keeping score at home, is where I have some public trust issues. And when I say public trust, I don't mean my trusting of somebody. What I'm talking about is the doctrine of public trust, which is the idea. Dan and I were talking about this off, off, offline. Doctrine of public trust was originated in the Magna Carta. 12, 12, 15, like it's been around a minute. We're going way back. And if you are a conservation-minded hunter, if you are a conservation-minded hunter, the doctrine of public trust is a pretty big deal to you. It is a it is a central tenet to the North American conservation model. And without it, with without it, fundamentally, we could change the way we manage game in this country. And that begins to affect public lands. It begins to affect allocation of game. It begins to affect migratory birds. Like the dominoes don't don't hold the dominoes fall the the think of it like a seven leg table and you pull one of the legs out it's going to crumble over like you've got to have everything in in tow there i believe there is an argument out there that could be made isn't this being done in public trust i think if i was playing devil's advocate i could make that argument but i i don't see how that holds up and and the reason i don't see how that holds up is that game we are entrusting to the state and that water is a public entity that we are entrusting the state to manage. We are not entrusting. I'll, I'll say these names a lot cause I live here. I'm not entrusting the city of winter Haven to manage game. I'm not entrusting, you know, Polk County to manage game because that's not the way the system works. It's not the way our whole, and when I say the system, that's the, our whole umbrella of conservation management. That's not how it's supposed to work. I have a fundamental problem with that. And you should. And I bet you if you got, you know, Winter Haven in the discussion, they'd be like, I, I don't think we want to do that either. So, you know, some of you have pitched this as, oh, no one's going to go for the RHA um, because then they will have to deal with that. I've heard that pitch to me. And then I thought, well, no, 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 no. That makes it even worse because the municipalities that do want to go for the RHA that have considered that as something that they are willing to take on um, are probably not interested in making sure hunters have a place on the landscape. So hey, let me drop some, some uh, Shane Mahoney on you. Okay. Some North American conservation, Shane Mahoney. Um, if, if we do not have widespread acceptance of the public trust doctrine, um, the actions of natural resource managers will be driven more by a desire to implement wise policy to protect the public interest than by a legal obligation imposed by a public trust. Ooh, that's what this feels like to me. And I right. don't mean that accusatorily. I'm just saying that's what this feels like to me. It feels like we are doing something outside the scope of what we should be doing from a game management standpoint in order to appease development. And it should feel that way because, again, let's spell this out. Why would a municipality want to seek to have an RHA? I mean, it, it, what is their motivation? Okay, is that really trying to protect wildlife within that area? Or are they trying to eliminate uh, um, specifically hunters from partaking in hunting near their developments? Or, I, I do have one more. Are they trying to entice more development by saying this is a restricted hunting area? Which would be sad um, and possible, uh, very possible. Um, I hope that's not the case, but I, I mean. But we, and, and we, let, me, we, let me caveat saying, I'm not saying FWC saying that. No, no, no. I, I know what you mean. could be saying that. Absolutely. We want more development here. Let's put it in a restricted Absolutely. hunting area and we can continue to develop. Absolutely. Um. I'm going to hang out here for just a second because I love this public trust conversation. And, and I'm, I'm going back to, uh, this is either Mahoney or, or Geist or uh, Oregon who wrote a paper with Mahoney. If the value, if the public's ownership of wildlife or the value they place in it is compromised, 
the model, the North American model, could be jeopardized. And what they're talking about there is if we are not, if if the the trustee, the people managing our trusted resource, are not placing the appropriate value on it for us, then it devalues it, which in turn, where I'm going to this is an R3 conversation. Oh, it, for sure. It, it leads to less engagement from a conservation standpoint across the board. So I'm not saying creating an RHA. Castleberry didn't crumble down conservation in Florida. Hunters Lake didn't con- crumble down conservation in Florida. However, if you allow large municipalities to begin to put themselves into restricted hunting areas, it can devalue that resource perception-wise, which could lead to a slowdown in understanding and engagement from a conservation perspective. Yeah, it's absolutely. Well, let me let me explain some of the R3 components. One of the big problems that we've all agreed uh, uh, to in the R3 conversation is that the spontaneous, easy, close opportunities are the ones that are disappearing the quickest. They're going to be on the fringe of where suburban, urban interfaces are with wildlife. And the faster those go away and someone needs to activate at a much higher level, whether it be money, driving away, getting a lease, doing something like that, that that's a lost person in the conversation. So again, the RHA component, which is there to mitigate hunter interface things is gonna happen in the place where we need the most hunters to preserve the heritage of hunting. I mean, it's really kind of tricky to see it any other way for me but like i said i'm willing to i'm willing to come the way of support if we're going to protect some type of legacy somewhere else i'm just not seeing it and i'm looking forward to the conversation coming with fwc threats to the public trust doctrine exist and are are increasing inappropriate or unsustainable commercialization privatization of wildlife misapplication of the doctrine if these threats prevail, the trust, wildlife populations, or their habitats, water quantity, and quality could become mismanaged or the public may lose access to these resources, resulting in their value to the public becoming diminished. Lack of awareness and understanding of their benefits and responsibilities of the doctrine leading to social and legal indifferences by the trustee, the government, mm-hmm. or the beneficiary, the public itself, could therefore create grave consequences for conservation. That's not Travis. That's not Dan. That's Shane Mahoney. Do with that what you will. Absolutely. You can't see this at home, but I'm just like head bobbing. Like, yep, mm-hmm, yep, yep. I mean, it, it, this, we're not the first ones to consider this. That That's the reality of the situation. People much smarter than me before me have already seen this coming. And here we are yet again. So let's go. Sorry, I, I just had to hang out on that for a minute because it is so near dear to so much of what we talk about. And this is a, I don't want to say it's a house of cards, but it is a fragile construct, the the conservation model that we have on the table today. And if you start tampering with it, it, it could come down. And Florida, I think, is on the verge of this, as we've talked about before. Uh, next requirement to create an RHA, detailed maps and legal descriptions of the proposed restricted hunting areas. Simple enough, it makes sense. Uh, documentation that the proposed restricted hunting area has an average dwelling density of not less than one dwelling per acre. Do you want to talk about this? Yeah. So, all right, this is where we get to in the definition game and it gets real tricky because occupied dwelling probably has a legal definition in Florida. We're going to say a single family house or multifamily house, let's say, but what if it applies to townhomes, apartment buildings, things like that, which it will, but at what scale? I don't know. It seems like, again, what we're doing here is putting something out on the landscape that will ultimately be met by almost any municipality eventually. Can I give you an example? Go ahead. City of Winter Haven, 12,000 land acres, 14.6 thousand households. Right. Now, again, are all of those households dwellings? I don't know that to be true, but that is census data. That's not, you know, just Google. That's that's U.S. Census data. Um, Pinellas County, 390, 89,000 acres, 402,000 households. Yeah, see, and, and again, this that's a perfect 
county to start really getting into the weeds about how punitive something like that could be. And again, I don't hunt over there, but I'm intimate with coastal areas. I'm in mostly Brevard County. Um, and man, oh man, I just think of the potential impact to uh, thousands of linear shore feet, let's call it, where you're already hunting, you know, near houses. Seminole County, 220,000 acres, 189,000 households. Sorry, 220,000 acres, is that what I said? 189,000 households. You got WMAs, which would not be covered right? Which, within Seminole good. County. Reasonable. Um, but you take the WMA acreage off the top, and you can get awfully close to everything else in Seminole County being inside a restricted hunting area. Right, which again, that's not laid out in the current form of the... Uh, you know, it's not ballot language, but what, would, what are we calling it right now? Proposal? Yeah, the, the draft language of the draft rule, language. The draft rule yeah. language. Draft rule um, language. So I, I have some concerns specifically with, and I'll, I'll speak to Winter Haven, and if you show up and hunt Winter Haven on one of my secret lakes that are top secret that no one knows about, we're going to have words. But here's the deal. There are some lakes within Winter Haven that you could hunt safely right you're not on a shoreline with houses and, and and i'd like to think i'd like to think this dan cavalierly the rha if it went in today would affect none of us listening to this because none of us are hunting within 100 yards of a house anyway so I, i'd like to think that's on the landscape right i, but, I got some onyx pins that that um are definitely gonna have to get looked at <laughs> pushing the pushing the envelope um so, so that said, within the city limits of Winter Haven, you could make the entire city a restricted hunting area, including those undeveloped shorelines, because the, you'd have the density requirement met by the city municipality itself. One of the things that was said to me is, we believe this is good for hunting because it's going to help the hunting, anti-hunting relationship, or the hunting, non-hunting relationship, because... By hunting in someone's backyard, it's a bad look. And my question is, how is hunting within a restricted hunting area, even if I can legally do it because I'm on submerged sovereign land, I'm in, I'm in state waters, how is me coming back to the boat ramp out of those waters in a restricted hunting area going to play publicly? Because I cannot see a side where, as long as we're calling it a restricted hunting area, that plays well. Yeah, and, and there that's a, could potentially be a nomenclature thing, right? Like, you know, should we be calling this something different, right? I mean, because, man, that's confusing for me as a hunter. I, I'm sure it's going to be confusing for, you know, uh, this hypothetical landowner on the lake or homeowner on the lake who sees the sign and sees you launch with your camo boat and your blind and go in there. And it, it just, again, if... If it's like a goodwill, let's look better. Let's kind of uh, uh, eliminate some of these interface issues to be in in you know a better uh, uh, to to be perceived better by the the non-hunting public. I, I don't I don't think this is going to do anything. It could potentially confuse things. This is what I'm saying uh, to to me. I don't know what municipalities are sitting out there waiting in the wings with the restricted hunting area application, but conceivably Winter Haven could be one Polk County could be one I, I don't know the density I would I would assume Polk County is going to have rural that it, you couldn't make the whole county an RHA um, but Pinellas County is a good example right because you there's nowhere you could really hunt land wise in Pinellas County but you absolutely could hunt the bay safely in Pinellas County inside the city inside the county limits right and and real quick I'll, just in case somebody has heard otherwise um, and I, I don't want to get, get you know put anybody on the spot but uh, Travis has, has asked these questions directly if an RHA Correct. could apply to a whole county and they said absolutely yes if they absolutely. meant that, yes so if you're hearing out there on the landscape that oh you can't put this on a county or that a, a, a sovereign submerged land entity couldn't be affected that is not what is being articulated to us right now and the people that we have interested so just want to get that out there and, and there's no language in the rule that prohibits that which is why we asked. Right. Right. And, and we're getting we're getting to the entirety of the criteria of the rule, which is going to open up some more doors here in a second. Um, 
The next thing that hap must happen is a statement that all residents in the proposed restricted hunting area have been contacted and invited to at least one public meeting discussing the resolution. Someone asked me, and I think it's a good question. I don't know the answer to this. How are they supposed to possibly contact everyone in a county? I don't think they actually have to contact everyone. I think they have to meet rules of public hearing. Like they have to post it. At, I mean, do, do you have anything on that? or? Do you yeah. So, and I, again, I don't know. There could be different uh, bylaws at a county or municipal level, but I, I sit on a committee here in Brevard County for dredging. And we post it on the county's webpage to be then blasted or circulated, but there's no like e-blast or mail out. You know, there's nothing formal like that. The, the the way I understand it is if some is like if Polk County wanted to go restricted hunting area and I didn't answer my door so I never saw the notice they can't not do it because I didn't get notified right right so I think they have to make best effort um, within whatever their county bylaws or rules are sure uh, a list of the local law enforcement agencies that have agreed to enforce the ordinance adopted by the local government body pursuant to this rule does this concern anyone. Oh, man, I'm doing the biggest giant eye roll here. Like, this is where I get really kind of uh, nervous about it. And again, it's not because there's not great uh, uh, sheriff's offices and city police officers. It's just they're not trained in wildlife management. So it gets really, really tricky when we're asking them. Now, maybe their plan is that they, when they have a problem, call FWC. But that seems like a hell of an ask to start right. that process right and and then it also doesn't jive with why you would abdicate the correct. governance to the local municipality correct and i have a i have a question there and i'm sure i'm wrong on this but i have a question there about the constitutionality of that like fwc is empowered by our state constitution is empowering it's not limiting like it gives power to and FWC is empowered to do game management. That's that's why they exist on the landscape. And so I don't understand how they can then abdicate that out without losing something. How, how do I as a citizen not lose in that, particularly when you factor in public trust? They're the trustee of that resource for me. They should maintain that trust that, that trustee status of that resource. That is and, an and issue I have with this. Yeah, and I'm a big dummy when it comes to the law. I'll, I'll admit that. I mean, I'm I'm a medical person by trade. I don't really get into that. But the way that I've talked to some of my local sheriff's officers types of things is they hate duck season because of that issue. <laughs> and they Correct. typically and they typically tell homeowners like, "Ah, no, they're good to go. We we it's duck season." And I don't want to give that up. Right. So let's say they now had to respond or were compelled to respond because they don't have the ability to say to, uh, 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 you know, concerned homeowner. Oh, no, it's duck season. Sorry. Most likely they're good. If, you know, uh, that's that's not going to be a good thing to me. I, I don't know. Uh, like I said, I, I'm using a very myopic view of what I've seen here locally. So I'm willing to be, you know, persuaded. Otherwise, I just don't see it. Yeah, later on in Section 5, it says local law enforcement shall have sole responsibility for enforcing restricted hunting areas. Which is yeah, no so call now, FWC on that. Right. Now, if you're saying sole, how, how else am I supposed to perceive that, right? Like, they will be checking my birds is what they're saying. And I've, I've, heard, I've heard it said that FWC is empowered by the Constitution to do whatever they want with that power. That's clearly not the case because they have to create a rule around a restricted hunting area. Right. <laughs> yeah, a little a little paradoxical, right? Right. Like like again, I'm I'm not saying this in, from a belittlement of the agency. I respect the hell out of the agency and and what they do and they've got a hard job and this is a hard thing that they're having to go through. Like I don't think they're wanting to figure this out. But at the end of the day, I do think it's our place to question these and get answers that we are if not okay with at least satisfied with the answer we can agree to disagree kind of thing you know what yes I mean? and, I'll, and i'll take it a step further my motivation is to ensure that fwc stays the lead agency on wildlife issues because they have a track record of doing a good job correct same i'm fighting right. for them on that 
Uh, also, here's a clarification, part seven. For the purposes of this chapter, the term dwelling means a shelter built on land in which people live, a house, apartment, or other land-based place of residence. Oof. So apartment needs some definition, but does that mean if you have a 20-unit apartment complex, it's 20? I've, I've heard people say that it counts as one. Okay. I would like to hear a lawyer's interpretation of that. Absolutely. Not people on not, the internet. Not, not me. Not mine. Um, upon receipt of the permit, the uh, upon receipt of the complete application, compliant with this rule. So you just heard all the criteria for the rule. That's the criteria. The executive director or his or her designee shall issue a permit establishing a restricted hunting area and authorizing the local government to enact an ordinance. The end. Right. So no review process, no secondary, um, you know, uh, uh, goes to the commission, no round of because, you know, again, this goes back to that uh, tenant that they have there about local notice. I mean, many times a hunting spot is not hunted solely by locals. It's hunted by locals and a combination of people who drive to said area. So, again, your impact to the hunters is going to be. Uh, 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 not solely to local hunting. It will be to local hunters and people outside of that area. Which is why the game is managed at the state level and not absolutely. the local level. Or, or federal, right, for migratory bird. Sure, but absolutely. Sure. Um, so that's that's basically the rule. There's a couple of little uh, things. I don't think they're, ans- I, I think they're ancillary to our conversation. I could read them if you wanted, but uh, I'll post the rule. It's already been posted on our group a couple of times. Uh, restricted hunting areas shall not include any areas established pursuant to Rule 68A, 1411, or any federally owned or managed lands. So RHAs aren't going to cover, you know, national forests and things like that. Um, Wildlife refuges. I read that one already. Exactly. So, right. So I, I'm not going to get into the, the mundane of that because I don't really have concerns there. My, my concerns go strictly to kind of what we outlined. So... I'm going to read you the the kind of the questions that I asked of FWC because um, to me the the thing I keep getting asked is are you going to be on one of these webinars and I will be on one of these webinars but I also it's not fair of me to go to all these webinars and then hijack conversations like you guys are out there you're engaged you you have good questions you're smart people there's no such thing as a dumb question on this there's some people out right now that don't want this up for discussion not fwc but there's some people out in the in the water supply right now that don't want this discussed and i think that's so irresponsible and so it's insane to me we should want people teasing this and testing this and, and beating up on it a little bit to make sure it's good or not good like absolutely how, how else are we going to get there that's, that's well that, how that you do anything that's what i was going to say i want to get there if it's that good but understand the people that are now saying this is a good thing maybe they've just had a, a bigger head start on it right so maybe maybe they have a head start on on the discussion and conversation maybe they have more information than i have I, listen i with five kids and working job I, I know i am not the the you know the mover and shaker on the landscape when it comes to this but i have some legacy here as well and it, this one it, it almost seems odd that it came up so fast. Is that fair? Like the way it was kind of yeah, presented? Because there there was some talk about there being stakeholder groups and whatnot going on about this. And I, in my conversation with FWC, that was not the case. They met with some stakeholders in the week that this was released. Right. Um, right. This was not a thing where they had like a, a tag that went on for six months or anything else. That was that was meeting and, and and discussing this and going into detail. And again, that's not a dig at them. FWC is governed by sunshine. Like you, you guys can you guys can go get every email they've ever exchanged with anybody by by making a public records request. So it's not it's not secret stuff. Um, these are the questions that I asked because there was a lot of misinformation floating around out there. Um, and these are the answers I got. So I'll just kind of take you through. Can any municipality request an RHA? And the answer is yes. So. Any, the clarification was, I said, is it limited to cities or can counties request RHAs as well? And the answer is RHAs can be requested by any local governmental entity for lands under their jurisdiction. 
Now, I'd, I'd want to ask this to clarify, but it sounds to me like a water management district could request an RHA. Right. That's I don't know weird, that they would right? have the density requirements, but they're a local governmental entity and they manage lands. So it, it sounds to me like they could. Which, um, which again, here, here, speaking of that scenario, probably would affect me zero because St. John's has always been very proactive in, you know, opening lands, but not to name names, but there's certain water man management areas. Swift mud. <laughs> that, yeah. <clears throat> that, I, well, golly, it could be a, a, a show, you know. Right. Uh, is there a size limitation on RHAs? No. So there's no, there's no acreage limit. If Pinellas County wanted to make a RHA the entire county into in the ratio matches, is that plausible? Why or why not? The answer I got was yes, as long as the other requirements are met to establish the RHA. So not just the dwelling, but they have the meeting and the uh, submit the maps. Those are the requirements. Which, by the way, the submit the maps thing is I, I could do a GAIS search right now with the way technical data is exchanged and probably yeah. put the put the plan together from a map and scoping standpoint in a day, you know. Given the way the rule is written, is there a scenario, a la Pinellas County, wherein undeveloped land could be given RHA status? Because this was a thing that was asked quite a bit. The dwelling rule, or I'm sorry, the distance rule applies only to occupied dwelling. Okay, so I'm going to make this up. But let's say, let's say you had a three-acre RHA and you had three houses on the middle acre. You don't extend 300 feet from the end of the RHA that goes an acre past the last house. You go 300 feet from that occupied dwelling. Out that That's the distance rule. Although that other acre is still within the RHA, you could hunt that boundary of it. Like you, you'd be right there at it. Right. As long, as long as you were not within 100 yards of an occupied dwelling. Um, their answer was, that could be true as long as the addition of the undeveloped land does not drive the minimum dwelling density below the required threshold. Even if adding the undeveloped land does not impact the minimum dwelling density requirement, the restricting restriction of hunting within the established area is only 300 feet from a dwelling. So any undeveloped land without dwellings would not be impacted for hunting as long as you were not within the RJ boundary. Yeah, this is, uh, I'm just, again, I'm I'm failing to see right now what we're getting ourselves into. You know, it just starts to get into the weeds with some of their answers. Um, and this is why we're going through the process again. Sure. I, I, I want to get there it, it, from based on what I'm hearing from some people who I respect on the landscape. I want to get there, but please let me get there. Show me the pathway to get to the concept of this being a better long-term solution for our situation here in Florida. Acceptance of hunting has been mentioned. If SSL is not affected, is there a concern that this leads to more contention between hunters and homeowners, as well as introducing local law enforcement into scenarios outside their jurisdiction? Uh, I want to clarify, SSL means submerged sovereign land. The 300-foot buffer, depending on the location of the dwelling, this is FWC's answer, can extend into submerged sovereign lands. The buffer is meant to address homeowner concerns with hunters too close to their homes. Many local law enforcement agencies enforce FWC rules and regulations and state and local laws, so having them enforce the 300-foot buffer is not unusual or inappropriate. Yeah, this is this is th this one is just scary to me. Just that's that's one of the scary parts to this. Um, I asked about, and I'm not going to read this one word for word because it's just wordy, but I asked about the agency's position on abdication of game management. They don't really agree with that take, and I I think that's fair. I don't like their answer, so I've pushed back on it again in, in a follow-up email because I but I think that's part of what this process is. It is a it is a process where we have to tease this out and bang it around a little bit and Right. So brothers fight, but they're still brothers, you know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. And so right, for example, they're not gonna I don't think a municipality is gonna change Z, uh, deer zone C six or uh, you know, try to say that bag limits are changed, right? I, I don't think that's the case. But what I'm worried about is the actual day of hunt interaction between 
local PD versus FWC. FWC has always been professional, uh, uh, you know, has always been, you know, aware of of uh, scenarios and understanding to hunters. I would I would fear that local PD wouldn't have that same familiarity and understanding. FWC, in my opinion, always airs on the side of the sportsman. Absolutely. That's their and default setting. It's their default setting. You can say a lot of things about them. I know there's some guys out there that have had some run-ins with them or whatever, but by and large, the agency always airs on the side of the sportsman. Absolutely. Um, man, I've seen them bend over backwards just about to give people a chance to find oh, a life jacket yeah. or tr- Trust me. Right. It's... They are overwhelmingly positive influence in, you know, they're really our best advocate in keeping us from hurting ourselves with the general public, let's be honest. So I, yep. I'm, I'm a big supporter of FWC being the agency that responds to these, uh, uh, you know, incidences, let's say, or potential yes. incidences. Correct. So that said, let's flip this around and let's play. We've kind of beaten up on this for a while. What are the potential positives to this? Okay, so I'm going to throw one out there. In an upland setting, I do think the 100-yard rule um, is a a positive from that occupied dwelling type of thing. Because it would be nice to say to said entity, no, I'm I'm far enough away, ma'am or sir, by law. Right. Like like there's no arbitrary component to it. The problem there is. We already got some firearm laws that do that for us. So again, we're adding this layer of of uh, violation potential that I don't think needs to be there. Yeah, this um, is interesting. It's interesting you bring up the fire law, firearm laws because we're talking about seven ninety when you bring that up, which um, is not a hunting law. We've already we we understand it's, that it's it, not. It is less restrictive than the RHA is. Correct. So th- this is kind of silly to me, but think to think of it this way: you could go park in an RHA and toss clays up in the air and shoot them legally. Right. So it's hard for me to get behind this as not violating public trust when you put it into that perspective. Yeah. And, and again, this is going to be something that I I just don't see it resolving the conflicts as easily as I'm seeing the potential conflicts that would arise. So I'm not trying to say that this is a bad thing or a good thing. Again, I'm back to this again, but let, let's, we've, we've had some areas over the last 10 years because of the current firearm legislation that have really given us a, a, a positive, uh, 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 scalable access component. And, and, I am enjoying that, so I'm I'm leery of adding something that would take that away. Is that fair? Yeah, I had someone compare it to the uh, the backyard gun range. Right, the, right. The, you know, there, there was a there was kind of a campaign against the backyard gun range. It's almost like that's been taken and applied. This is not one to one, but taken and applied to duck hunting for some reason. Right, and and again, duck hunting in this RHA discussion seems to be the one that is the sacrificial lamb potentially it's noisy there's typically volleys it's not a a one report rifle shot and a dead deer it's not a guy slipping into an area and firing his bow you know it's uh not um rim fire which doesn't have a loud report if you're going squirrel hunting Duck hunting is noisy. It's aggressive and it's in your face. Uh, you know, and so again, I'm, I'm a duck hunter. I'll just say it. I, I'm, I archery hunt a lot. I, I Western hunt a lot, but I started duck hunting. That's my passion. I love it. And this one seems more punitive or this language seems more punitive to duck hunters than any other hunting stakeholder group. Seems disconcerting to me as a duck hunter. Right. So, so, but let's go back to what, what do we see as the positives? I've heard someone say, I, I couldn't tell you who this was, but I've heard it in the water supply. I'll put it that way, that this could potentially open up lands. Do you understand that? Because I, I don't, don't see how but this... I, I would, I would love to see it. I, I, I really would. Just, I, I mean, and when I say see it, I'm like, I'm like talking. Show me the parcels where this would work, um, because I feel as if these parcels are already fee simply owned parcels by county entities they still have jurisdiction so nothing would change for or against therefore why would we think that this would open them up but again 
show me. I, I'm I'm willing to have that conversation, and then I would love to open up more stuff. I'm, I mean, I'll, I'm all about that. So, you know, let's um, see it. Yeah, I, I don't. This would not. I've had some people reach out to me and say, well, there's posted areas that are county today that this would make open. And I'm like, I don't understand that those are not posted restricted hunting areas. They're 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 not. The they're they're just they're just posted areas. Correct by the county. There's right private land that your county owns. Correct. Um, so there is also, I think, a valid discussion that could be had around: Is this intended to be protective of hunters? And I, I, I see that. I, I see. I can see. I see. I see some glimmers of that. Okay, like the idea. If we take everything at face value, and this is what Dan and I know today, okay, this is what we've pieced together today. Let's take Lake X, and Lake X has fifty percent home coverage around it, and the, and and the county it's in somehow gets the whole perimeter of the lake into a restricted hunting area. As a duck hunter, if Lake X is submerged sovereign land, you can still hunt it as long as you're not within 100 yards of any of those occupied dwellings. So does it affect you? No, not really. Like that that's not a a bad thing you are covered there. I I have a serious problem with the name when we get to this portion. If the if everything I just said is true, if everything I just said is true, I have a problem with the name restricted hunting area because I am legally allowed to hunt inside perimeter wise a restricted hunting area and i don't understand how that's a good look ever on the landscape for hunters i don't I, I can't get there man i can't wrap my head around that that's a that's a hard pill for me to swallow well it's a development centric nomenclature right like it's yeah. it's like the cell in the name is for the municipalities or the development interest right Correct. so I, I again i i'm just playing ping pong with this but why aren't we calling it the um you know legacy yeah the legacy yeah the legacy sportsman limiting ordinance you know right. <laughs> like let's come up with a name that calls it what it is so that you feel a little right. bit like a dick when you have to apply for it right <laughs> hey, hey by the way we're, we continue to beat it up i thought we were this was the time where we accept a, a little bit <laughs> I don't, I have trouble getting behind anything that's called a restricted hunting area. I like, know. Like on spec, if the second you named it that, you've lost, you're, you're going to have to bend over backwards and do some contortions to get me on board with it based solely on the name. Right. But let's go to the scenario, not the Lake X scenario. Let's go back to the uh, panhandle area, you know, area where they were having the boats being tucked in under docks. If that improves because of this, I can see that being a positive. I'll just I'll just leave it at that. Can can I ask the question, does it improve because of that? Because if the house is more than three hundred feet off the water, the dock isn't covered by the restricted hunting area. And does giving this language and this law, this rule, then give you a blueprint to move forward once it does not cover the problem that's occurring? That now is another big fear so we're back to beating it up what happens when the 100 yard rule isn't working for the municipality Correct. do they then go to the legislature and say you know hey 100 yards isn't working we're going to need 200 right uh, again uh, give me some insurance assurances how do we time stamp it and make it a uh, 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 a uh you know, a fixed entity. I don't know if we want that, but it would help me understand better how we're going to get the positives out of this uh, uh, draft rule. Now, I've heard, again, this is, this is, I'll say rumor. I've, I've heard that if we don't create the rule, we're going to be forced to create the rule. Yes. So in other words, this rule didn't too. exist. And I'm not sure where that impetus is coming from. There's a there's a Florida statute 120. I'm going off memory 120.52 maybe 62. It's kind of I call it the absence of a rule rule. So if you can determine that there's an absence of a rule in the in the landscape, you can request that rule be created. So it makes me wonder, um, what are we trying to fix here? 
because because I don't I don't and that's the, that's kind of like my problem solving engineering background is let's go to the crux of the problem. What are we trying to solve here? And is it is it non hunter hunter interactions? And if so, is this the right way to do it? I, I don't know. And again, I know non-hunter-hunter interactions are going to happen, and I know they're most likely to increase. So again, I'm willing to have the discussion, but I'll, let's pitch this one. How about we eliminate completely bird sanctuaries from the landscape, accept completely that CWAs, critical wildlife areas, are a tool to help conservation, to support, that have strict definitions and criteria, and then leave the rest alone. How about that? And I have had that same question, and I am continually told that we have to have this rule, even though we didn't have this rule for ever. ever. Right. Yeah. But we have to have this rule. So if that's the case, we have to have a rule that allows, my, my question is, what does the rule have to exist for? Is it to give FWC the ability to take away hunting in an area, or is it to abdicate game management to a local municipality because if that's the case why couldn't the rule be rewritten in a direction that is more pro hunting right and again i i I think the answer uh, this is complete supposition i think the answer of why we have to have it is because of the whole component of uh, uh, fwc being bogged down with administrative hearings and and so forth but again there's other ways to address that that I would love to discuss with FWC. Absolutely. The, the entity we have chosen and, and Correct. love to manage these things. Um, here's the other kind of, kind of follow up I have to, to that rule is um, it didn't exist and 790 exists and so for a long time i'm like well 790 is here why can't 790 just be the rule and everyone's like no we have to have our own rule in adaptation of this rule the reason the dwelling number was chosen is the dwelling number is the same that is in 790. just travis's math why can't everything else be the same that's in 790 and just the rule is rewritten i know under FWC. I, I, yeah, I know from from that same perspective yeah i mean we we're start we, we're we can pontificate about better options this is what's on our plate right now the the you know and we're having this discussion to you know get people engaged in this so i i, I just want to say please attend the webinars everybody Do, you know this is travis and dan beating this up a little bit and uh you know, I do think, again, there's going to be some movement somewhere here because sometimes when these things get this far, it, it's it's the deal's been done. But it, if you don't push back a little bit, the cliche being the devil is in the details. And that's what we're talking about here are the details. So, you know, again, we've talked about public trust. We've talked about uh, uh, objective criteria with this rule. I would like to see a better rule. This is what's what we're dealing with right now. So, you know, let's just make sure we're a part of this conversation. What would you like to see different in the rule? You have anything uh, off the top of your head, like like hot take, not hot, not well thought eight. Hot, well hot take on the rule. I don't like abdicating any authority to local municipalities for game management or response. That would be the biggest struggle I'm having right now. Agreed. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Uh, the other hot take I have, and I haven't thought this through, so this may be a terrible idea, is what, what if we... Do you know what the average lot size is in Florida? Just out of curiosity. Man, I don't know. You see... It's, it's a quarter acre. Oh, gosh. Okay. That would the make sense. The average lot size in, in Florida is a quarter acre. Um, that's data from homeadvisors.com. And I'm curious as to why we wouldn't change the density requirement up. Right. So, so what right. if we made it? Th- made, what if we made it two houses, four houses, whatever right, per right. acre? Then it doesn't allow you to spill over into undeveloped land as much. Um, right. And and if there's some restricted hunting area. And if there's some precedent precedent with that, you know, number. L- let me see. You know, let me see why. But again, and like I said, I was told that that number came from seven ninety. Gotcha. gotcha. But we're kind of picking and choosing what we take out of seven ninety. So. Yeah, and I, and I hadn't heard that until just now, but thank you for telling me about that. 
And I don't know if that's true or not. That's, that's sure. conversations. Like I said, I've had 4,000 conversations about this in the past. Oh, week, man. So. I've called and talked to people about this now, calling me like, what the heck's going on? And I'm like, I'd, I'd like to know. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other things that I kind of I'm curious about is I've, I've asked to see the request form for an RHA. I think that would be interesting to see what triggers Right, it. right. Um, I have asked that question before. I don't think you should be able to put an RHA in just on spec. Um, the fact that someone's hunting in your backyard in your house that got built last year where they've hunted for the last 25 years, as long as they're on the water and shooting away from your house and not trespassing by projectile, I'm not saying I would do that, but I am saying I understand the nuance of that conversation a little bit more. To me, there should be a trigger. You know, part of the part of the conversation around Hunter's Lake was someone has shot out a pool screen. Part of the conversation up at the Panhandle is somebody was sliding under people's boat docks. There should be a trigger somewhere that that creates this beyond just hey, we want to have a restricted hunting area in this county. Because yeah. to me, that's pretty cut and dry of FWC saying, well, we manage the game rules and you don't get to decide where that is. If a municipality tries to per- pitch this as a public safety issue, they're just wrong. It just doesn't exist. That, yeah. that that's the real problem right so uh, that that's another question i've had um I, fwc doesn't have this power but i think it would be fascinating if you could put this into no net loss or uh uh somehow request the municipality have to provide offsets for any restricted hunting areas that are created they have to provide like habitat within the same watershed again fwc can't write that rule but i, I definitely think that would be a, a fascinating uh, dichotomy as to the number of requests that came in for restricted hunting areas or not. Yeah. If Travis was the czar of uh, rolling out this legislation, I'd be on board with that. <laughs> yeah. I, in fact, I'd go recruit some restricted hunting areas and some right. pretty tightly exactly. areas. I'd, I'd be going door to door to sign people up. Um, I think that was really the things that were on the, the top of my mind that I, like people had asked me, like, what would you, what would you suggest? What would you question? That and then I would encourage you to go read up on public trust. Uh, wrestle with that a little bit in your mind. Wrestle about it with FWC. Ask them those questions. Those those guys are professionals. They are game managers. They've been doing this for a while, so they're they're not going to be mad because you asked hard questions. And there's no such thing as a stupid question on this. I don't think the the most important takeaway I, I think for me in this whole thing is to just keep asking questions. Don't let people shut you down on it. Like we have to continue to push and ask. Yeah, and I'm going to take it one step further. Just uh, if you, if you've listened to this, because we've we've really beat this up a little bit. Um, just try to um, remember that your situation might not be something that it would affect you today, but it could Correct. affect you tomorrow, or it could affect something that you want to do down the road. Because that's what I always try to do. Is I'm like, all right, maybe this doesn't affect me, but uh, uh, where could it affect me or how could it affect me? That's why I've always been sympathetic to, to dog hunting plight. I, I've dog hunted, but I'm not a dog hunter and I really, really loved it. But, uh, you know, these little things add up and now, you know, we're losing dog hunting all over the state. Um, I, I know this isn't the same thing. I'm not trying to say it is, but don't not engage because you don't see this affecting you. It very well could be, or it could be down the road. Uh, that was well said. All right. You got anything else you want to put on this before we, before we put a bow on it? I don't think so, man. It's, uh, you know, duck season's around the corner. I mean, youth youth duck hunt is here. I mean, we're three weeks away from, you know, actually shooting birds. And based on this weather or whatnot, I, I'm not having these overwhelming, uh, you know, optimistic view right now. But, <laughs> but all it takes is, you know, One a little bit time. of change, a little bit of change, a little bit of something. One lock up. Well, Dan, I, I appreciate you joining us and, um, We'll be back to hopefully a more fun format next week, but uh, thanks for thanks for hanging out with us and, and knocking this around. All right, man. Check out those meetings and stay woke.